Daniel chapter 7. This is our fourth week in this chapter. And I told you last week I didn't finish my sermon, so we would continue it today. And I don't think we're going to finish today's either. But this is just how deep and how good Daniel chapter 7 truly is. Let's read verse 18, and then we're going to read verses 21 through 22. Because those are the verses we're going to be focusing in once again in Daniel. And then we're going to expound on that as we continue to see what the kingdom of God is in relation to what Daniel is saying here. So it's on the screen. Let's just read it together. Verse 18, and then we'll go to verse 22. Sorry, verse 18 and then verse 22. But the saints of the Most High shall receive the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever forever and ever. And then verse 22, until the ancient of days came and judgment was given for the saints of the Most High and the time came when the saints possessed the kingdom. We've been exploring the last couple of weeks the kingdom of God. This is something that Daniel has seen in a vision in chapter 7. If you remember, it starts with four beasts that are ravaging the uh, sea, coming up out of the sea. And these are representing worldly evil empires. But then Daniel sees a vision of Jesus Christ called the Son of Man in Daniel chapter 7. And he is seated on the right-hand side of the Father. And he uh, has been given a kingdom. And then what Daniel says is the saints who are all believers, the saints will receive the kingdom that the Son of Man, Jesus, the Messiah, receives from the Ancient of Days. This is what we're looking at. And so we've been exploring what this means. Last week, we began talking about the inauguration of the kingdom. We said last week that to understand the kingdom of God, which, by the way, is a word that is used repeatedly throughout the Bible. It's one of the major themes of the Scriptures, is the kingdom of God. What is it? Where is it? When is it? Who's in it? You have to understand it in two different phases, right? We likened this to a wedding last week, to a wedding. If you will remember, to your wedding, if you were married or if you've ever been to a wedding, you have the marriage ceremony. These are spiritual vows made to one another, legally joining the couple. And then you have the honeymoon, which begins the physical union and fullness of the relationship of the bride and groom. We liken this to the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God can be seen in the first coming of Jesus and the second coming of Jesus. Jesus inaugurated, he began the kingdom of God through his public life and ministry and his death and resurrection and ascension in his first kingdom. And then the second part of that, the honeymoon part of it is the physical part where Christ will physically return to consummate the kingdom and bring everything to completion, all the promises of God to fruition. And so let's again begin with the inauguration of the kingdom because we didn't finish that last week. Just to remember that everything changed when Jesus came. Everything. Everything was divided And split in two, time and space. His public ministry, death, burial, resurrection, ascension, changed everything, including the domain of Satan. When when Jesus came into this world, 
Jesus says in Matthew chapter 12 that he has come and he has bound Satan and he has plundered his house. This is what he says in Matthew chapter 12 verses 25 through 29. But if it is by the Spirit of God that I cast out demons, remember they're accusing him of what? You're casting out demons because you're a demon or you have a demon. And Jesus throws it right back at them and says, if I... If it is by the Spirit of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. How can someone enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds a strong man? Then indeed he may plunder his house. This is exactly what Jesus did. He sends the disciples out by 70. They go out casting out demons. They come back and say, wow, even the demons are subject to us. And Jesus says, Behold, I saw Satan fall like lightning. He has been bound. He is imprisoned. He is no longer able to do what he was able to do before, which is to deceive the nations. Satan is still active and alive. As we know, he goes about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. He blinds the minds of unbelievers in 2 Corinthians 4.4. We know Satan is very, very much active in the world even today. However, he has been limited by this inaugurated kingdom that Jesus has come to uh, initiate. This kingdom language is very common. For example, in Mark chapter 1, Jesus begins his ministry by announcing the kingdom is here. In Mark chapter 1, verse 14, the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand, repent and believe in the gospel. It's not that the kingdom was coming, but the kingdom has come. Why? I am casting out demons because I've bound Satan. And secondly, it's time to believe and repent of your sins and trust in me. So yes, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, came in the person of Jesus Christ with his first coming. And to prove that the kingdom had come and was accomplished by his life and his ministry... After he has resurrected and then ascends to the Father in glory, he sits down, fulfilling all the messianic promises and prophecies of what Messiah would do in Psalm 110. And now Jesus is sitting down at the right-hand side of the Father in glory, ruling and reigning from heaven. Yes, the king sits on his throne and he rules the earth next to the Father And this is where the Bible says that God has always ruled on his throne from heaven. For example, Psalm 103, 17 says this. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens and his kingdom rules over all. So what's the big point? Here's the big point I want you to see today. Because not only do you have to understand That there's two kingdoms, the kingdom is in two phases, inaugurated but also consummated. You have to understand the big point is of the nature of these kingdoms. The nature of these kingdoms. The inaugurated kingdom brought in by the first coming of Jesus is spiritual in nature. Spiritual in nature. At the end, at the second coming, when Jesus consummates the kingdom... By his glorious appearing, the kingdom will be physical in nature. This is the big difference. The spiritual nature and the physical nature of these two kingdoms. Jesus is ruling and reigning from heaven. He's not on earth sitting on a throne right now, is he? 
No, he's, it's a spiritual rule and reign over the earth, especially over his people. And this is something that the first disciples in Israel were really, really confused about. They didn't understand that now that Jesus has risen from the dead, why they just couldn't get rid of Caesar and Rome at that moment. Remember, this is what has been happening. The Jews have been expecting a political messiah, one to free them from all of their oppressors and um, enemy nations like Caesar and, and Nebuchadnezzar and Alexander the Great and Persia and you name it. The Jews have always been underneath oppression. When are you going to send us the kingdom? Is it now? And this is what they tell Jesus in Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. Look at that with me. Right before Jesus ascends to heaven, they've been with Jesus for 40 days now on the earth. And this is what they say. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord... Will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? We recognize you're Messiah. You are son of David. You are, you are the king of kings. Lord, are, are we going to get our nation back? I mean, David's throne is that way. Let, let's go. Let's kick them all out. Are you at this time going to give us the kingdom back? The kingdom that Daniel talked about? Are we going to possess it now? Look what Jesus says to them in verse 7. It is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. In other words, Jesus says this. It's none of your business. Yeah, that's coming. But it's none of your business when God does that. Okay. But look what Jesus says next in verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Jesus answers their kingdom question by what? Go proclaim the gospel to the world. Why? Because the first coming of Jesus, the inaugurated kingdom, is a spiritual kingdom that will eventually culminate in a physical one of Jesus living on the earth, ruling and reigning forever. But it's none of your business when that happens. God the Father has already fixed a time by his own authority and a season when that happens. But right now, right now, that physical kingdom is still to come. But the kingdom is here. It's here in a different way. And I started it with my ministry, casting out demons, healing the sick, preaching the gospel, dying and resurrecting from the dead. And now you must go tell the world that message. And when you tell the world that message, you know what you will do? You will spread The kingdom of God on earth. Because the kingdom of God, again, in its inaugurated form, because of the first coming, is spiritual. Therefore, don't miss this. As the church grows around the world, and it's been happening for 2,000 years, and as the church evangelizes the world, 
and spreads the gospel to the nations, proclaiming that the king has died and risen again. Repent of your sins, believe in him, or you will face his judgment. He is the king of kings. Repent and turn to him. Grow his church. Build his church. As the church grows, so does the kingdom. And what happens 10 days later? The day of Pentecost comes. And the Holy Spirit comes down and empowers them just like Jesus said he would. And the whole rest of the book of Acts is about what? The gospel bearing fruit. And the kingdom of God on earth expanding. The word kingdom just literally means the rule of God. If you take the word kingdom, it's okay. What does it mean at its literal root? It means rule of God. The rule of God. And God has not abandoned or left his throne because he's in heaven. He's not left the world to say, I'll rule one day. You guys just figure it out. I know it's going to get really bad, but I'm coming back. No, through his church, through the gospel proclamation, through the heralds, which are all Christians, as we herald the good news, the kingdom of God continues to grow and expand around the world. This is why we support missionaries. This is why we send missionaries. Because King Jesus has told us to. We have kingdom orders to go do this. We have kingdom orders to go make disciples. Where? To the ends of the earth. Christ has come. He is king. He has started the kingdom. And it's spiritual because the number one need we have is not physical. It is spiritual. Our hearts are in rebellion to God. And the only way for the kingdom of our heart to be destroyed and thrown down is by the kingdom of the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is how God rules his people over the earth through his gospel. And so it was this inaugurated first coming of Jesus that began the spiritual reign of Christ over his church. And this is how Jesus spoke of the kingdom and the church together. For example, Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16. If you've never heard me preach before, this is a very atypical sermon. Because normally we'll spend 45 minutes in like three sentences in one chapter. But we're taking like one phrase in Daniel 7 and going to the rest of the Bible to show you what the Bible is talking about when, he's, when Daniel says this. But look what Jesus says in Matthew 16. Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona. This is Peter. He just asked Peter, Who do you think I am? Right? You're the Son of the living God. You're the Christ. And Jesus says to him, For flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock, what he said, not Peter, I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of what? The kingdom of heaven. You see what Jesus does there? He puts the kingdom of heaven, which he's been announcing his whole ministry, on the same par with the church that he will build. So what is the church then? The church on earth is the visible kingdom of God. 
It's the spiritual, visible kingdom of God through God's people who have bowed the knee to King Jesus and believed in him and have been full and regenerated by the Holy Spirit. This is the kingdom of God on earth in its inaugurated form. And this is what Jesus does here with Peter's message. He doesn't make Peter the head of the church like the Catholics say he is. No, you are Peter and on this rock, what? Your testimony that I am the living God, the son of the living God, that I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Why? Because I have plundered the strong man's house and bound him. He will not deceive the nations because I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Jesus says the same thing to Nicodemus. If you remember in that great passage in John 3 when he tells him, you must be born again. He says in John chapter 3, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Why? Because the kingdom of God is spiritual in nature. You must believe in the Lord Jesus to even take part of this rule of God on earth through his church right now. So as people become born again through the preaching of the gospel and the call of the Holy Spirit, the kingdom of God right now is being realized through his people. You see, and this is exactly what Israel missed the first time. They didn't understand that there were two comings of Messiah. This is why they still today reject that Jesus is Messiah. Because they look at Jesus and say, well, he died. Messiah is not supposed to die. He's not sitting on David's throne. But they miss the two natures of the kingdom, spiritual and physical. They look at all the second coming promises and say, those haven't happened yet, so Jesus can't be him. And miss all the ways that the first kingdom was supposed to be initiated. So when Jesus comes, Lord, are you going to give us the kingdom now back to Israel? He says, guys, that day is coming. But right now, that day is not here yet. The kingdom is here in another way. So go be my witnesses and go tell the world what I have done. And you'll see the kingdom of God on this earth, in this way. And today is Palm Sunday, the day that begins the final week of the life of Jesus on earth before his death. And it's this very thought that they were so confused about. You remember, as Jesus is approaching Jerusalem, people are beginning to understand who he is, that maybe he is this Messiah that he says that he is. And this is very obvious from Matthew 21, which we read earlier. They're waiting for their king, the Messiah, to come and overthrow Rome. And look what they say. Let's go to verse uh, 3. Jesus, if anyone says anything to you, this is when he says, go get the donkey. The Lord needs them and he will send them at once. This took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet saying, say to the daughter of Zion... Behold, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and put them on their cloaks, and he sat on them. Most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. 
And the crowds that went before him and followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. See, Hosanna literally means save us now. That's what Hosanna means. Save us now. They're not talking about saving us from our sins. Save us from these evil Romans. You are the son of David. Who's the son of David? David was promised that one of his sons would sit on his throne forever and ever and ever. You are the son of David. And he was. But what they're expecting here is a physical, political salvation. The same thing that the disciples, after spending three years with Jesus, saw him risen and just before he ascends, still do not understand. That Jesus has come the first time to do something different. To bring people to God through repentance and faith in him. Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And King Jesus does enter Jerusalem on a donkey. But not to sit on a throne. There's still work to do. There's work to do to bring in this spiritual kingdom. He must be arrested, put on trial, scourged, crucified, and resurrected from the dead. Once he's done doing what is necessary, then he ascends, sits on his throne, and rules from heaven over his church as they spread his gospel to the world. So again, the first coming, this inaugurated kingdom, is spiritual in nature. But what does it mean to possess the kingdom? Because this is what Daniel 7 says. What does it mean for the saints to receive the kingdom or to be possessing the kingdom? This is the exact language in 7.18 and 7.22. I mean, this is very intriguing to us, right? We want to know. We want this kingdom. Well, the New Testament apostles pick up on this very truth about God's people Ruling and reigning with him. Because what it means to possess the kingdom, the word there in Aramaic in Daniel 7 is the word to receive as an inheritance. The king has been given a kingdom from the ancient of days. The son of man has received this kingdom. And now what does the son of man do? He gives the kingdom to his people to sit and rule and reign with him. Those who were once his enemies now are his family and now We rule with Christ. Amazing. This is what John writes in Revelation 20, and I wish I had more time and a year to expound on Revelation 20, and we will one day. Well, Revelation chapter 20, verse 6. Blessed and holy is the one who shares in the first resurrection. Over such a second death has no power, but they will be priests of God and of Christ, and they will reign with him for a thousand years. 2 Timothy 2.12, Paul says this, This saying is trustworthy, for if we have died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he will deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. Reigning with Christ. I mean, Dan, I know Jesus is king, But what does it mean for me to reign? I'm not a king. What does it mean for me to reign with Christ? 
Well, again, we must understand the nature of the kingdoms, I think, to make sense of that. Right? We have to, we have to make sense of this according to its nature. In its inaugurated form right now, which is spiritual, believers who have not yet died, that's, I think, everyone in this room. Everyone who has not yet died possesses the kingdom on this earth when they become born again. Christ now indwells you and is Lord of your life and of the church. He then commands you to go make disciples and that the kingdom is inaugurated and continues to expand around the world. We possess the kingdom by being a part of the growing family of God on earth. We possess the kingdom by the proclamation of the gospel and becoming one with his people who have become born again. By the way, that's one of a thousand reasons why church membership matters. Secondly, what about those who have died? What about those who have died with Christ? Believers who have died with Christ, where are they? They're with Christ as he sits on his throne, ruling and reigning from heaven. For them, the kingdom is not invisible, but very visible in heaven. And they possess the kingdom with Christ now in heaven, ruling and reigning. In Revelation chapter 20, John sees in this heavenly scene thrones. These are the saints that rule and reign with Christ. Who are they? In the heavens, they are loved ones in Christ who have already died. Think about that when you are thinking of those that you have lost in Christ. They don't want to come back here. They're in the presence of the King, in His glory, sitting on thrones, ruling and reigning with Him, judging angels is what the New Testament says. And that's a lot better than playing golf forever, okay? Yeah, believers who have died now possess the kingdom as they sit in the heavens with Christ, awaiting for his return. Much more we could say there. Oh, I wish we could. But let's move to the second aspect of the kingdom, the consummation of the kingdom. The consummation. This is the honeymoon. We said that the first coming of Jesus is like the ceremony, and the second coming is the honeymoon. Right now, we live in between the ceremony and the honeymoon. Like we're in the midst of a very long reception that will never end. Right? Are we ever going to get to the honeymoon? Yes. But the consummated kingdom is no spiritual kingdom. It is indeed physical. It is earthly. It is tangible. It is not something that's floaty and ethereal. It is very real and it is coming here. Who inherits this kingdom? All believers from all time will inherit this consummated physical kingdom. And when does this happen? When does this physical kingdom, when does this spiritual kingdom end in? Well, when the physical one comes, and when does that come? At the second coming of Christ. When Jesus returns in all his glory, everything is game over. Everything is made new. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 23. 1 Corinthians 15, 23. Paul writes, but each in his first, each in his own order, Christ the first fruits, then at his coming, those who belong to Christ. 
At his coming, those who belong to Christ. Then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom to God. What kingdom? The one whom God the Father has given to him to sit down and rule until all his enemies are his footstool. There's coming a day where the last person will be saved. The last of God's elect will come to faith in Christ and there's going to be no more people added to the church because all of God's people are now saved. And when that happens, Christ gives that kingdom whom he has inherited from the Father to the Father. He will deliver the kingdom to God when? At his coming, at the end, after destroying every rule and authority and power, for he must reign present tense, until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death, for God has put all things in subjection under his feet. But when it says all things are put in subjection, it is plain that he is expected who put all things in subjection under him. There's coming a day when Jesus returns and every eye shall see him, is what the scriptures say. When he does, when what he inaugurated with his first coming will be brought to completion with his second coming. What is it? The kingdom that he gives to his father, which is what? His people. Before time began, God the Father chose a people to give to the Son. The Son then comes to save those people, and then at the end he gives those people to the Father. It's a glorious truth of the gospel. And that is not a physical kingdom, but a spiritual one. But that's not all she wrote. Because it's just not floaty existence on harps, on clouds playing harps. It's reigning and ruling with Christ forever. When does this happen? At the second coming. Here's another one. Matthew 25, verse 31 to 34. This is Jesus speaking here. When the Son of Man comes in His glory, it's pretty obvious what that is, the second coming, and all the angels with Him, then He will sit on His glorious throne. Before Him will be gathered all the nations, and He will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will place the sheep on His right, but the goats on the left. Then the King will say to those on His right, Come, you who are blessed by My Father, Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. King Jesus comes with all his angels, with all the saints who have ever died before at his second coming. The dead in Christ rise first. You know that beautiful picture. And there is this judgment of the sheep and goats. All of God's people who are still alive and remain will be separated from those who do not believe. And those who believe, those who are part of his people, his bride, his sheep, his flock, he says to them, inherit the kingdom that was made for you. This is what Daniel is talking about. When the saints shall inherit and possess the kingdom, there's coming a day where everything is made right There is no more sin, no more wickedness, no more evil, no more school shootings, no more lies. Everything is just the way it's supposed to be. We live in between those two realities. We feel the tension now. 
As the kingdom of God expands through the earth, spreading the gospel, the evil one rages on. The beasts roar. But there's coming a day where he, he will shut up every evil beast. And there will be no more evil. And he says to his people, inherit the kingdom prepared for you. Saints, possess the kingdom. This is all yours. This is all yours. It's like King Jesus has bought a house and he says, here's the keys and the deed. I've already paid the mortgage. Go. It's all yours. Inherit it. Possess it. It's time to move in. And this is when, folks, the new heavens and the new earth is here. What is the consummated kingdom? It is the new heavens and the new earth. It is a return back to the garden of Eden. Think of how Adam and Eve had it before they blew it. They walked and talked with God. There was no sin. They could have whatever they wanted. Everything was peaceful and perfect until they disobeyed God. Well, we get a glimpse of this new heavens and new earth, this consummated physical kingdom when King Jesus comes and tells his people to possess it. Now, Revelation chapter 21, this is what it says. Then I saw a new, just read it with me. I want you to read it with me. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall be their mourning, nor crying, nor pain any more, for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also, he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have this heritage, and I will be his God, and he will be my son." But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. That is what the consummated physical kingdom is like. The new heavens and new earth is tangible, physical. We could feel it, touch it, walk it. It will be like a restoration of the garden, but way better. Way better. Because what happened in the garden can never happen again. 
What separated God from man was man's sin. But Christ has defeated every sin. And the last enemy to be defeated is death itself so that no one ever dies again in the physical consummated kingdom of God that's coming, which we call the new heavens and new earth. Yeah, you can get a little excited. I mean, we're Baptists. What does that mean? Get excited. <laughs> Jeff's a little Bapticostical. You got to excuse him. <laughs> uh, some, I had some people tell me last week, I just wanted to stand up and shout. I said, well, what stopped you? Get excited. You see, the kingdom will be possessed. We, we possess it now in an already, but not yet. Like, it's not all that it's supposed to be now, but it's headed there. We have it in a, in a real sense now that King Jesus rules and reigns over his people now from heaven sitting on his throne. But this is not the end. There's more to come. And it's far better than you could ever imagine. We, we don't even understand the glories that will be revealed to us. That's what Paul says in Romans 8. And the good news is this could happen today. May it be so, Lord. Come, Lord Jesus, and bring in this kingdom once and for all. He's not late. He's not taking his time. Remember what Jesus said to his disciples? It's not for you to know the day or seasons that the Father is appointed by his own authority. Don't worry about that. Just keep being my witnesses, and that day will come. The first kingdom is growing on earth. And it's expanding and growing, calling all people from all tribes, tongues, and nations to the king. That's why heaven is not made up of one kind of ethnicity, one kind of skin color, one kind of social class. It's made up of all skin colors, all ethnicities. All social classes, rich, poor, slave, free. This is what King Jesus is doing. So what will we do forever, right? You think, okay, great. New kingdom is coming, new heavens, new earth. What are we going to do? Right? We joked around about playing golf a minute ago and, you know, fishing and blah, blah, blah. And, the answer to that question is this, you, you, you want me to tell you? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what every day after that's going to look like, but I will tell you what I think the big overall picture looks like. Remember I told you earlier that this consummated kingdom is a return to the garden. It's a new creation. Here, the first creation, okay, it's a new creation. Even creation itself is redeemed and saved and brought back to its original condition. Even creation itself experiences a resurrection of sorts. What do I think we're going to be doing? Well, I think the answer is in Genesis chapter 1. Genesis 1? Dan, that's at the beginning. You're just in Revelation. Yeah, Genesis 1. 
It ends how it, it's, it ends how it starts, but way better. What did God purpose for man to do? What was the point of man? What's the point of Adam and Eve? Look at verse 26. And then God said, let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have, what's that word? What are we going to be doing with Christ? Ruling and reigning? Do you think that's an accident? Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man, verse 27, in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, in case you didn't know, he created them. Look at verse 28. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. And have what? Dominion. Over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. You see, God created Adam to be like a king in this world. All of creation was his. Adam, it is your job to go take care of it. You rule the earth. You take care of it. You are my image bearer. I put my image on you. You, you are mine and you reflect me. Now you go take care of creation and rule over it because you represent me. Now Jesus, as we know, is the second Adam, the new Adam. And what are we going to be doing forever? What the first Adam should have done. Have dominion over God's creation. And taking care of it. You see, work existed before sin. We might want to think that work is a part of the curse. And that once we go to heaven, we're never going to be working again, and it's like going to be a glorified retirement. No. We're going to be working for the king, exercising dominion and rule over creation in ways that I can't specify because I don't know. But I do know that we go back to the beginning. We go back to the beginning. I believe that's what it means to rule and reign with Christ. The true and better Adam. The obedient Adam. The victorious Adam. The God-man who we are now made in his image. And redeemed by him. And now we bow the knee to serve King Jesus. There are better days coming, friends. This world will throw at us aches and pains. Sorrows, trials and tribulations, bad news after bad news. That's just life. We live in a broken world, but one day that's all over. What is our job? Go be my witnesses. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Don't worry about a kingdom coming right now today. That's coming right now. The first kingdom is still working. The first kingdom is not over. The spiritual reign of Christ over his people. Once they are all gathered, I'll come, deliver them to the Father, and rule and reign new heavens, new earth. It's going to be great. This is our hope. 
Why? Because Christ has risen from the dead. Christ has risen from the dead, and this is our hope and life and victory in him. Next Sunday, we'll get into that more. Praise God. And I, am, I plead with you today, if you're in this room and you do not know King Jesus, if you have not bowed the knee to him and repented of your sins and believed that he died on the cross for your sins and rose again on the third day, I plead with you to stop playing games, to believe in him and trust him now. You either will bow the knee now or you'll bow it later. Because these things will happen. These things will come true. And you want to see King Jesus as a loving shepherd leading you home and not a judge opening the book of your life to give you what you deserve. Trust in Christ now. We'd love to share with you more what that means. Please see us, anyone afterwards, to help you understand that. And Christian, know who you are. You're a child of the king. You're a child of the king, a king who will not in the future reign, but he reigns now. And this is why you must be a part of God's people now. You got to get plugged into a church now and get serving and get loving and get caring. Why? Because the church, look around you. This is just a small expression of the visible kingdom of God on earth. Don't neglect your church family because the king sits on his throne ruling over us. Let's pray. What a glorious truth, O oh God. Thank you. What encouragement awaits us. Lord, we pray it is today. But Lord, we know that you will come when the time is right, when the full number has come in. You will return to deliver the kingdom to the Father, establish a new heaven and new earth, consummate all things. We long forward to the day where there's no more death or pain or sorrow or Look forward to the day where we do, as image bearers of God, what we were supposed to do, have dominion over the earth and rule and reign with our King and our God. As we rule along the better Adam, the God-man, Jesus Christ, the eternal Son of God, risen King, we serve Him call sinners to repentance in this room so they can be part of this consummated kingdom and even this kingdom that exists right now through your people on earth. Help us, oh God. Encourage your people, your children who are weary this morning, who are discouraged over different things that have happened, maybe in this world, in their lives. And as Daniel would have received this message and have seen the upcoming beasts that are about to come, but then he realizes that there's a Son of Man coming to sit down 
to get a kingdom and to give the saints that kingdom. Help us to glory in this truth this week as we get discouraged about whatever comes our way. Because nothing will change that from being true. In Jesus' name, amen.